0: Kurt and Kate mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Instagram addicted your teenager because she's worth $270 to them. New unredacted files released well over a month ago. You didn't see much news coverage on this. I'm just saying. It shows that Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook right. and Instagram, et cetera, uh, they study teen biology to promote addiction. And what is up with choosing profits over mental health? Was this eye-opening for you? It it broke my heart to read that, that it's not just passive addiction, but they're aggressively going after our kids and us. Chris Martin did a deep dive on this, and he has an article that, um, you know, just really, I don't know, it kind of made me angry, to mm-hmm. be honest with yes. you. And I could tell he was fired up as well. He talks about this. He goes uh, in depth. He's, by the way, the editor of BibleToLife.com. That's a wonderful resource from Moody Bible Institute, all kinds of stuff. It's like a virtual library. Uh, You should check that out. Uh, But he's written this book called The Wolf in Their Pockets as well. The Wolf in Their Pockets, 13 Ways the Social Internet Threatens the People You Lead. If anybody has a handle on what's going on with this and can respond in a Christ-centered, biblical way, it's Chris. Chris, welcome back, and Happy New Year to you.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Good stuff. All right, so I I ran across something that you had written, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, we got to have Chris back. We want to talk about Bible to life, but also, uh, the headline's great. I mean, you're so good with this kind of stuff. Here's the headline. Instagram addicted your teenager because she's worth... Two hundred and seventy dollars to them. Mm-hmm. This really was—I don't know—it put a burr under your saddle. You felt like you needed to talk about this, so you wrote the article. Tell us, uh, tell us what this study actually revealed.
1: Yeah. So right before Thanksgiving, I'd been taking a break from my twice weekly newsletter to focus on some fiction writing aspirations I have, and um, I hadn't been writing at all um, about social media or anything like that for a few months, but. I noticed on we had a slower Thanksgiving this year. We had a relatively newborn. We stayed at home. We didn't travel to family, just kind of took it easy with our small family for Thanksgiving. And I was um, looking at Twitter or something while I was watching football on Thanksgiving, and I saw that um, Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, released – really they unsealed legal documents that they were going to have to unseal at some point um, late in the night right before Thanksgiving, a typical sort of – um, news dump situation mm-hmm. that a lot of companies will do when they're trying to avoid people paying attention right. to bad news. You yeah. know, sometimes yeah. happens on a Friday before a holiday weekend, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, this was on the Wednesday night right before Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and But a, a couple of really astute observers caught this and were posting screenshots of the legal documents that they unsealed that night and were posting screenshots all day during Thanksgiving. And I was looking at them and I just looked at, frankly i was appalled and and what they reveal to very quickly summarize um these are documents from the lawsuits that meta is facing from all of the state's attorneys general who are you know uh suing them i've talked about on a few radio programs before about 42 i think states attorneys general are suing facebook for harming children and not caring about the privacy or mental health of children And these documents are from those legal proceedings. And what these documents reveal, frankly, for a lot of us who've been kind of paying attention to Facebook meta for the last seven, eight years, is just a lot of what we already knew, but it just confirms a lot of what we already knew. So what these documents tell us is that Facebook has actively attempted to addict young people, minors and people under the age of 13, despite those people not technically being allowed on their platform has attempted to actively addict them to their platforms while also knowing that these young people are falling into rabbit holes of content related to um, eating disorders, suicide, and uh, self-inflicted injury uh, issues, and all kinds of other mental health issues. And in the past, people like me who kind of watch these folks have said, I think Facebook knows this is happening and is maybe even trying to encourage addictive use. But we had no really evidence of that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of everything yeah. everything smelled like that. And now we have Facebook employees in their own words talking about how they hire behavioral psychologists to get teens addicted, talking about how much a typical teen is worth to their platforms and and all of that. So really the the sort of curtain was pulled back on the Wizard of Oz and and it was important for me to kind of not let them get away with releasing all of that the night before Thanksgiving.
0: So right. the two hundred and seventy dollars—that's the number. That's that's heartbreaking and devastating just to hear that. I mean, we—you're right. I mean, uh, we're not—we're not surprised, but yet we are, I guess, in a way. It's just, uh, Chris, you've been talking about this, like you said, for a while, but to actually see the proof of it—isn't this kind of like, uh, according, I guess, a Meta employee says uh... hey this is kinda like the tobacco company saying their product is fine it's not gonna hurt you
1: yeah, exactly. You know, in, in September 2021, um, Meta was kind of doing this PR push of like, hey, our stuff really isn't that harmful. Adam Masseri, who's the head of Instagram, was going on like the Today Show and kind of pushing back. I think that's around the time when a lot of research was coming out about how Instagram was really harming teen girls specifically. And so he went on the Today Show and did this huge like media circuit and was and was really trying to do some positive PR. But there are a lot of Meta employees who kind of, you know, maybe are just along for the ride because it pays well, or they don't know how to leave, you know, all of that, who are kind of like, hey, isn't this kind of just, you know, us doing this whole PR circuit? It's kind of like the tobacco companies of old saying, we're totally fine. There's nothing we're doing that's wrong. Like, it's it just keep smoking. There's no issues. Right. And yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And to see that people on the inside are also recognizing that is encouraging in one sense, because, okay, like, they're not totally blind. But in the other sense, I wonder if any of them are doing anything to undermine this whole operation.
0: Wow. This is nefarious, isn't it?
1: Yeah, man. You know, for a long time, like I've been writing on social media for close to a decade, I've felt a little bit like a black sheep for calling – like basically saying, Hey, I think Facebook is actively nefarious that because there's long been this idea that, Oh, social media, like, yeah, you can get mental health issues if you just use it wrong, or if you get addicted or if you find your worth in other people's opinions and often mental health issues or addiction has often been like ascribed to a, a problem with the user. And I've kind of said for a while, man, I think these platforms are trying to make people addicted and are 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 trying to get people down these rabbit holes because it increases time on the platforms and time on the apps, which increases money. And I, basically, I've long claimed that I don't think this is just a user problem. I think the companies themselves are facilitating this
0: poor use. Yeah, and that's, it's, it's basically
1: that is what mer- this reveals.
0: This is mercenary, is what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and so so what used to – for a lot of people has seemed like, oh, well, that's just an unfortunate side effect of bad using – bad use of social media. That narrative – I think this starts to really flip it to where it's like, no, all these people who – these 13 and 16 and 17-year-olds who get addicted to Instagram – are just using the platforms the way they're meant to be used. Mm. They are just going up against. And this is where I get really passionate about it as if I'm not already <laughs> is yeah. these platforms these these apps these companies are hiring some of the most advanced behavioral psychologists in the world. They're not they're not code, they're not they're not computer programmers, they're not app programmers or app designers. They are literal behavioral psychologists who are on staff to get young people addicted to these platforms. And so this is where like a lot of people start to talk about, is, can the government step in and do anything? Should the government step in and do anything? I feel so bad for parents. I've served in youth ministry for over a decade. I feel so bad for parents in the youth ministries I've worked in, who I've talked with through tears about these things. Parents don't stand a chance. Like It's not just a matter of, oh, well, just keep your kid off social media. Oh, just like take your kid's phone away. Parents cannot survive in a one-on-one or two-on-one fight with some of the most advanced behavioral psychologists in the world. Parents need help. Like, there needs to be some further intervention uh, to help reel in these companies, because I don't think, you know, some, some parent in Florida is just going to be able to be like, well... I'm just going to try to keep my kid from getting addicted. You're going up against people who are like some of the most brilliant behavioral psychologists in the world. We need parents and everyone else need some help from some entity to try to reel these companies in and and regulate them, frankly.
0: Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Joining in the conversation this morning is Ruben from St. Cloud. Hi, Ruben. Welcome. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thank okay, you for the thanks. opportunity.
0: You bet. What's on your mind about this?
2: I work for FEMA. I am an addiction counselor. I was working in Puerto Rico and Maria Category 5 storm, and I met with a counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, children's psychologist, and uh, social workers. I said, listen, we are running into a big giant here because I noticed that everybody wants to relieve this pain with a phone. You know, there was destruction. There was a lot of people under medication. I'm, uh, I was like, why are people trying to distract their kids with the internet just to relieve or trying to make them think that nothing happened here? So I discovered, I mean, I told everybody, so I said, listen, you guys are doctors, I'm a, I'm a counselor, but did you ever take this in school? Did you ever learn about what the internet was going to do to our kids in school in the end times? Uh, did you think about the addiction that comes to these kids behind the walls when you're not seeing these kids? Uh, have you ever asked, how am I going to treat these, uh, this giant that's coming against our society with this internet thing on kids? And everybody was like, uh, okay. Hmm. So basically what Chris just, I mean, I've never read, I would love to have this. I would love to see what he has. And, you know, this is an addiction that's been planned. It's being worked and it's going to be bigger. If we do not do anything to intervene on time, we will see a lot of problems, more problems. If we do not. Use the word, become parents and supervise what's going on and intervene like the courts are doing right now.
0: Yeah, well said, Ruben. Thank you so much for uh, picking up the phone to be with us. All right, Chris, what do you think about what Ruben was sharing with us?
1: Yeah, I think I think his words are really important, and and no surprise that in his experience of being out in the field and and hearing that you know this is a common um, sort of therapeutic for kids. And and look, I. I'm in this weird – Not, I mean a lot of people are in my state, but I I grew up – I was born in 1990. I grew up in the 90s and was on the internet uh, when I was in kindergarten and first grade. My dad worked for IBM, so we had a computer in the home when I was super young, and I was – I'm grateful for the experience I had being able to tinker with this stuff at a really early age and kind of learn a lot at the earliest frontier of the internet – and I, I have a really positive view of the internet broadly. I think there's a lot of ways that the internet can connect us, and especially if teenagers, like even teenagers, the availability they have for um, you know just interests and hobbies and things like that, I think, and learning, so much education available. At the same time, I think we need to not have rose-colored glasses when it comes to young people's experience with the internet and recognize just how easy it is for them to not only encounter like Vulgar or profane or otherwise bad content, that's certainly an issue. But also, that a lot of the platforms that they're most interested in using are designed ultimately not for their good. And I think that's what Ruben hits on here is that the thing that's upsetting to me, um, more than just about anything, is not on, is, is not primarily, oh, a kid might come across objectionable content online. Yeah, that's not good and we need to care about that. That's kind of been the case since like the late 90s or, or even earlier. Um, what's kind of new, especially with a lot of these social media platforms, new in the life of the internet in the last seven to 10 years, is these platforms are designed to harm children, I, I believe. Wow. And I think what we, what we see here is just further evidence of that. And I think we need to be on guard against that and recognize that if we're not intentional about how we care for our teens and young people and how they engage these platforms, without even using the platforms in an unhealthy way, our teens can be harmed by them. And so that's where I'm kind of most concerned.
0: You know what really is a, a big part of this is notifications. It's almost like the bell rings, like Pavlov's dogs, and then they salivate. And what's going on with the notifications? This is—I mean, it's not just teens, obviously. It's—it's it's for all of us who use these platforms.
1: That's right. Yeah, and and I'm always pretty careful to talk about that. You know, I think I think you the, what I've said to a lot of churches over the past few years is, yeah, your teenagers are probably addicted to TikTok, but your boomers are probably addicted to Facebook. So let's not run away thinking this is like just a young people issue. And so I always like to make that pretty clear. Like this is not solely a young people issue. However, what older people like me and you guys who aren't 17 and 16 and 13 have in terms of advantages is we know life apart from these things. Um, Even me growing up in the nineties, I grew up with the internet from a very early age, but I I know what life was like when people actually read physical newspapers and weren't on their phones at the dinner table all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so, but the thing is, a 13 year old doesn't know that world. Right. A 17 year old doesn't know that world, and so things that are incredibly unhealthy feel very normal. And so, I think what what people like you guys and me and any others who remember the world before, if you will, need to do for our young people is. Is say, hey, this might feel normal, but it isn't good. And here's where things that are normal and things that are good differ, and where we can we can have a healthier relationship with the internet. But it's going to take a pretty intentional relationship where we make you know intentional um, uh, steps that that are well thought, and we're not just letting it happen to us. And notifications, like you were just talking about, is a huge aspect of that. I wrote, wrote about that in the book uh, regularly. I write about it on the internet a lot, um, turning. I I advocate for turning off all notifications on your phone, uh, especially for social media platforms, because we should be using our phones and the Internet on our terms, not Mm. on our phone or the Internet's terms. And I think notifications are are where that happens. Yep,
0: I turn off my notifications, so uh, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Let's go to Sarasota and Janet. Hi, Janet, good morning.
2: Thank you for taking my call. I've been questioning this for a while. There's a program that I see on TV called Calm and it has nice, peaceful, tranquil things on it, but I I'm getting more and more suspicious that there's a subliminal message behind that. Do you know? Can you answer any concerns about
0: that? What do you think, Chris?
1: Yeah, so I've heard of Calm. It's it's a meditation app. I can't speak a lot to it because I focus on social media, not everything that's out there. It's a meditation app that surely you know I wouldn't be surprised if they've got some programming that you know is maybe. Not Christian in nature, given the nature of the app. But I think a lot of what their app is meant to do. Yeah, I see a lot of ads for it as well. Uh, I think what the app is intended to do is to just kind of make people stop and have a little bit less stress in the day. Generally, I agree with that. Uh, that charge, if, if that's really yeah. what they're about. But surely, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have some content on there that would be objectionable to those of us who are, who are Christians, just because of the nature of some forms of meditation. But I'm all in favor of apps that maybe try to keep us away from things that uh, increase our stress levels about things we can't control and make us think a little bit more reflectively. So to the degree that something like Calm does that, I think it's helpful. But yeah, I would never encourage anyone to um, un, uh, unwaveringly subscribe to or use an app like that without, you know, uh, doing some research and and looking into what may be uh, good or bad for them regarding their personal spiritual and meditation uh, beliefs.
0: Yeah. Chris, thanks so much for dropping by. Always a pleasure. Of course. Glad to join you guys. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Mornings podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.